You're listening to another podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. My name is Tom Johnson. Today I'm talking with Joe Malin, uh, who is an experienced API documentation writer. Um, I met Joe at a STC chapter meeting and, and chatted a little bit, and he's really got a ton of experience. <clears throat> he's a former software engineer um, with a lot of insight to share. So, Joe, can you tell me a little bit about uh, just your experience with API documentation, maybe maybe why you, you switched from engineering into tech writing? Sure. Um, I started working in developer documentation at Oracle in about 2004. Um, what happened was I was working there sort of as an engineer, and my job was going away. And in the meantime, they wanted somebody to step in and write basically a tutorial for a new um, development framework. They had a Java, sort of Java server pages alternative. And um, they asked if I was interested, and I said, sure, it sounds like an interesting thing. So that was one reason was I got the opportunity. The second reason was that um, I, that really motivated me is that I had been reading a lot of documentation about serving um, programs from the web. And as I read the stuff, I discovered that I couldn't understand it. And the reason I couldn't understand it was it was just poorly written. There was a lot of, I saw a lot of mistakes and a lot of places where people really hadn't checked to make sure that what they were writing was even correct. And I felt like, you know, as a, as a software engineer, I was wasting my time. I was spending a lot of time trying to understand things rather than actually using them. And I thought, that's wrong. I mean, software engineers shouldn't have to um, spend all of their time trying to figure out what the heck is going on. They've got better things to do with their lives. And so that's motivated me to, to sort of, uh, that, that's been a passion of mine to, to write documentation that, that serves engineers by letting them get to doing the things that they really need to do. And what kind of what kind of API documentation are you you working on now? You mentioned that you're doing uh, some kind of JavaScript documentation right. techniques mm -hmm. with Backbone and Angular. Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, so um, the company I work for is called XOU, and they um, are developing what they call a workspace that allows people to to write web uh, web apps. That is an, an application that's built out of um, HTML and JavaScript and run them across a variety of both mobile and desktop platforms. So they provide some proprietary um, JavaScript libraries, and they also provide an operating environment. And I'm, I'm documenting how to use those JavaScript libraries and how to use their system. And they write their own apps in Angular. And some of the existing ones that we have from before are written in Backbone. Um, so I plunged very deeply into the modern way of, of uh, writing um, web applications or, or what I would call um, JavaScript applications using these modern technologies. Yeah, so, you know, this that looks really... Cool. The the Angular and Backbone, these JavaScript libraries. So you're you're providing documentation for front end developers to build websites using uh, this XOU uh, right. mm -hmm. 
frameworks. Okay. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, we we definitely will use REST APIs with some of our backend stuff, but the the things I'm working on right now are the front end, and Angular, and the other frameworks that are out there are meant to go between a JavaScript client and something that's fairly. Uh, and and something in the back end, but I think the idea is to make it make writing the client a, a very powerful and and uh, dynamic client easy, um, regardless of where it is, and then run it in a browser. Now you you also worked at Google for a while as a <laughs> as a uh, technical writer. Um, yeah. Tell me, did you? What did you do? What did you do there? Did you do similar kinds of things, or was it Java based, or what? Um, it was Java based. I, what I did is I worked on documentation for the Android um, operating system. Um, I wrote documentation on how to use the Android APIs to write Android apps, and I did that for about five years. So, do you, do you have you ever worked in? Uh, well, hold on, let me rephrase this. How would you compare platform APIs and and you know these JavaScript library APIs? Compare how would you compare that to REST APIs? Which which is harder? Which is easier? Which is which do you enjoy more? I think they've all got. I think they're all really fascinating to me. I mean, REST is is really in a lot of respects a breakthrough because it it makes things. It, it simple, tremendously simplifies the process of, of getting data from a server um, back into your client. In the old days, it was very clunky. I mean, in the old days, it, um, what you did was you sent lots of information to a web server, and the web server generated these pages and filled them up with data and then dumped them back at you. And then you had to do lots of stuff. It, it was just really difficult for people to understand. And now what it, what you do is you write JavaScript, usually, and send a request, an HTTP request, to a REST server. And the REST server sends you back JSON. And then you, you know, decode the JSON and, and put it into a JavaScript framework like Angular, and you're done. And it's a lot easier to write and a lot more standardized. So I think REST is really cool. Now I I think that you know one there there's no one versus the other. REST in a lot of respects is easy to document. Sometimes it's harder to document. Um, a lot of people that I know at Google that documented REST APIs had to put together their own system for doing it because you don't necessarily you can't necessarily generate REST documentation, or you couldn't in the past generate REST documentation from the code the way you can using a client API like Android. In Androids and Java, you can at least do the reference documentation by running a Javadoc doclet. You can't do the same thing in, for REST. You have to set up, or in the past, you had to set up a web page template and then stick everything in there by hand. Um, now with things like Swagger, you don't necessarily have to do that. Um, so is one easier than the other? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a REST API documentation expert, so I can't give you a definitive answer. I think both client 
and REST API documentation have their challenges. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about Javadoc. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, what's your take on how much Java a technical writer needs to know to properly document or fill in the gaps or somehow assist with a Java doc? You have to know a lot of Java or just have to know nuts and bolts and basic familiarity or, or, or more? Well, um, I think what you're going to find out is most of my answers tonight are going to be, it depends. And this depends as well. It depends on what you're being asked to do. If there's no comments in the Java code and somebody says you have to write the Java doc, it's going to be a lot of work. And you're going to have to work with engineers in order to, to make sure that, that it's right. If, on the other hand, it's mostly written, then it, you know, working the Java doc is mostly running, knowing how Java doc is generated and making sure that it's accurate and there's no spelling mistakes and getting some style guidelines down. So that's how I, how I see it. Um, with all of this, the real challenge is um, basically, you know, uh, what sort of things do you, you know, how can I put it? The real challenge is not whether you know Java programming or you don't know Java programming or any of the programming for any of the languages. It's more, more of do you have a sense of how developers think and what they need? It's, you know, it's um, audience analysis that we were taught in technical writing school. Do you understand what your um, audience is, what sort of needs they have? And the more you understand a developer audience, I think the better your documentation is going to be. That's... If you can do that without knowing any Java at all, fine. I've done a lot of work with Java just because of my particular background, but I don't think you need to have that background in order to, to succeed. That's interesting. How, how developers think. I'm trying to, I'd love to make that a little more concrete. For example, okay. uh, th this comes to my mind. Tell me if this is on track. A developer has some kind of, some kind of uh, uh, class that accepts, or an object that accepts arguments. And the developer thinks, well, what are, what are the data types for the arguments and goes to the reference and wants to know if they're strings or integers or something else? Like, give me a little right. more context about how developers okay. think. Well, I, th I think the developer experience is, number one, developers are in a hurry. Um, they need to have lots of inf very specific information as quickly as possible because there's a lot of work involved in developing a software system. You usually have more work than you can really handle. So you don't want to spend a lot of time going trying to find what you're looking for in the documentation. And then the thing is, um, you go to the, you, you, you sort of need to know, how does all of this fit together? What am I looking at? And that's what I call concepts. Um, what's the concept of this API? What is it meant to do? How, what are the fundamental things that you need to know? In, in Android, for instance, you need to know um, 
the importance of activities and what an activity is and what the activity life cycle is and, and why you need to, to do things at certain points and provide functionality at certain callbacks and things like that. Um, so it, it's those key concepts that you need to know. And then in the reference, you need to, to be able to look at it and say, okay, this call, first of all, how do I get this information? How do I find out what the size of the window is that I'm going to display into? And what are the units that it's going to come back with? And very often, the reference documentation says, well, you know, this is the X and Y coordinate of the, the these are the, the corners of the window in X and Y pairs. Okay, but what units? Why should I have to write a program to figure out what units it gave back to me? And that's, that's a failing of reference documentation when the engineer, whoever wrote it, didn't say it's um, pixels or device-independent pixels or whatever, the, the things that people read and really need to know. And as a developer writing documentation, you can have an intuition that that sort of thing is important, you know, which is one. Oh, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, well, I know there are lots of, well, there are several different kind of deliverables that, that tech writers working in the API doc space create. And one is the reference that mm-hmm. is often mentioned. And, and another is, is tutorials or, right. or more of a user guide. Well, what would you say is, is uh, more important? Um, and what do, you ma- what do you work more with as a technical writer? Um, my guess, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, I would love to hear your elaboration. My guess is that a lot of times the reference is, is often uh, pieced together from engineers who write it, but then the user guide explains how to actually use the API. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's true, and the reference um, is not going to be as much of a focus for technical writers. Um, it's there. Engineers very often write most of it. Um, a document, uh, a technical writer may have to go through and edit it, but I think in a lot of cases the engineers take care of it. That doesn't mean that that's always true. I, working in JavaScript, I've discovered several places in which the reference documentation was abysmal. But I think the real place that technical writers work is in concepts and tutorials and how-tos. Um, these are the the developer equivalent of procedures for end-user documentation, which is putting it all together so that somebody can see um, how you use a device to commit, how you two devices communicate through Bluetooth, or in the case of a REST API, how you would um, pass the coordinates of a map that you want to display and then get the you know, identify two points on the map and draw drop a pin on each one and to, and display the distance between them using a combination of REST APIs and other things that are available to you. And that would be a tutorial. Now, <clears throat> I kind of have a prejudice from Google. The tutorial um, is a dirty word. And the reason I say that is that, tutor- and I've seen this in my own work with tutorials, is that tutorials take a long time to do. And they sound like they're really good because you can walk through and learn every step of what's going on here. 
But then you're asking a developer to spend a day or a couple of days, you know, spending time with the technology before he or she gets to the end of the tutorial and has some idea of what's going on. You have to ask yourself the question whether developers have that much time. Wouldn't it be better for you to, to present something that says, we're not going to ask you to go through this entire enormous tutorial. You want to know how to read data from a file into an object. Here's the 15 lines of code that you need to use in order to do that. Cut it out from here, paste it in, and you're all set. What? And um, the Google dot the Google Android documentation does this in what they call training classes, which on first glance look like they're tutorials, but they really aren't because they don't they don't take a very long time to do. You could go through a training class in an, an hour, and in addition. Um, there are just code snippets. It doesn't present the entire application. It just presents parts of it, the key parts of it that you would, that are general enough so that a lot of people would be able to cut cut them out and paste them into their own code. So it sounds like code samples are are almost the the main driver of a tutorial. Is that what I'm right? Oh, what kind? I would yeah, I would say that code samples are invaluable. I mean, you know, um, everybody wants to have something that they can cut out and paste into their own code and get working. <laughs> um, that that seems ideal, right? To have these code samples that are just almost copy and paste. What are the? I just want to ask one more question about format. Okay. When tech writers create these guides, whether they're tutorials or like reference implementations for programmers, what's the best format for these? Uh, as a web help file, as a text file that's got a bunch of code comments, as a video, or as a PDF? What, what do developers prefer? I would say that um, I don't know what developers prefer. What it often comes, comes as is a web page that has um, blocks in it that that are pre-formatted so that if you copy and paste, they go into something else as regular text rather than having... Um, I mean, most in most cases, if you copy text off of a web page, the browser is going to put on the clipboard something that's basic text. And that's great for copy and paste. Um, PDF... Um, I don't see an awful lot of demand for PDF, but you know, there's it, it's a wide open thing because I can think of all sorts of problems. That, um, web web pages are great because they work even with limited bandwidth, and um, the, it's easy for you to combine different formats. You can combine um, code with text and hyperlinks and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's harder to do that with PDF. I don't think text, you know, code samples, literally, literal um, code files also have a place. And I think they're going to get a lot more popular. And one of the main reasons is the existence of things like Google Code and GitHub and similar things that basically are open repositories of code for people to jump into and grab. 
GitHub, in my humble opinion, is one of the most revolutionary things that's happened to software in the past 20 years. Why do you say that? Why, why GitHub? Be because it basically gives you the ability to grab a repository of code that's under development, which means that if the developer updates the code, you can go in and pull down the updates. It's not just giving you code samples. It's giving you, you know, living code samples. And it's, it's organized in a way, if the developer does it right, that allows you to build the code on your system and not just grab the code sample. And there, GitHub has a lot of other features that make it really easy to use. There's, um, you can associate a wiki with your GitHub site. You can associate Git, um, GitHub pages, which allow you to basically put your entire developer experience into GitHub. You can have these things called gists, which are code snippets associated with your site. Um, it's a brilliant idea and um, tremendously well implemented. And um, I've seen a lot, I mean, Android is using it to host code samples now, um, with the result that if you get the latest way of building Android apps called Android Studio, um, you can get code samples to download into Android Studio as sample apps, and they come out of GitHub. Uh, I think, either GitHub or Google Code. But in any event, they come down as repositories. So if they, if somebody at Google goes around updating them, um, you can find out about it and get the latest and greatest. This brings up another, another big question. I know that there's a huge trend toward putting documentation in GitHub as well. Um, developers like the idea that the, the the doc travels with the code, and you know if the right. doc has a lot of code samples, it seems to make sense. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, in a lot of corporations, they they have requirements for multi-channel outputs. They want one audience to see something different from another, and they have a you know, they have a, a single sourcing need right. that isn't very easily fulfilled through uh, a GitHub type workflow, uh, at least that I can, can grasp. Um, how do you, have you ever written documentation that you publish maybe in Markdown on a, onto a GitHub repository or done some other workflow with documentation on GitHub? Oh yeah. I, I actually wrote, um, some, it's a, it's a story I don't want to get into here, but I did actually develop a, a, a GitHub wiki for some open source code. And I wrote all of it in, in Markdown. Um, and it, the, the, the trickiest thing was trying to figure out how to organize the wiki. Other than that, I thought it was pretty easy. Um, I think if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, if you want to have multi-channel output, you can get to it. It's a matter of doing transforms, but I don't think it's impossible. Hmm. I think... Um, but I haven't run into the problem for a long time where I really had to do multi-channel output. Um, I think most of the time uh, these days people are looking for it, uh, documentation on web pages. But there are solutions, certainly. So, hmm. Yeah, I know that there's a, there's a, a major project called writethedocs.org uh, or 
is it read the docs maybe it's read the docs.org anyway allows people to write in in uh, RST upload it to to github and it auto builds and so forth it's got a lot of mm. a lot of popularity yeah but um anyway okay before we go too far down that path uh, there's a question that we often hear um, that I always hear actually at any type of API doc sort of circle somebody comes in and says well you know if I could write code I'd be a programmer not a technical writer so the person feels like it's not their responsibility to write code and you were talking about these code samples and their importance in in user guides right what's the tech writers role with code um that's a good question i i have gone back and forth on that i used to think um that you know a, a, a proper api doc writer ought to be able to write code now i'm not so sure i'm not sure that that's the best um use of a tech writer's time what i do think that that um in, in fact i'm gonna be giving and i hate I don't mean to do this deliberately, but it suddenly comes to me that I'm going to be doing a webinar for the STC in March, I think, on writing code samples. And um, awesome, yeah. So my 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 having thought about it, I thought that you know what can the tech writer contribute, and what have I contributed in the past to this? And I think if the, what you can contribute, and it might sound a little bit weird, but it's a style guide. I mean. Software engineers do use style guides, um, and I've seen them. And I, there, there have the most software engineers agree that there has to be one. So when you have a code sample, you have a style guide, and it may be a style guide that's a little bit different than the style guide that you would that a software engineer would use for his or her own code, because somebody else has to read the code sample. But um, I don't think that tech writers are um, should feel that they're being asked to write programs. But to the answer to the question, you know, if I could write programs, I'd be a programmer. Um, I can write programs. I don't want to be a programmer. My avocation is being a technical writer who understands the whole world of writing programs. And that's what I think an API writer has to do. Nobody is asking you to write a prog program. Um, it would be nice if you could read other people's work and put something together that shows you how difficult it is to write programs. What you're being asked to do is understand your audience and respond in the particular ways, respond to their particular needs. And their needs are very much wrapped up in code. One thing that's very, I find difficult is judging whether something is intuitive to the uh, developer or not. Let me give you an example. So um, in my work, we're coming out with a, a new REST API, and we just have some sample, sample curl commands to test the different endpoints. And I said, well, uh, aren't we going to put... Um, some sample sample some real sample code in the target kind of language which happens to be java uh for the users so they know how to make these calls using java and somebody said oh you know what developers these java developers they, they know that that's bread and butter to them they do that they can do that all day we, we 
just need a list of the endpoints and uh, the basic uh, parameters and the responses, and they're going to be good. And I never quite know what to do with that. I run into situations like this quite frequently where people say, oh, you know what, the developers, they'll know how to do that. What do you, how do you assess whether that's true or not? It's a tricky one, just with, every, with everything else. I think when you're dealing with end users, it's pretty easy because, you know, um, I don't think every, anybody went bankrupt um, overestimating the abilities of end users. Some end users may feel like they're being um, patronized, but a lot of them are grateful for even the simplest stuff. Um, developers know the basics, and so if you you have to be careful not to like you know tell them click on OK to close this dialog box because I think they're going to get that. Um, I think on the other hand that um, it's worth sort of overstating things a little bit just so that it's easier for people to, to see what's going on and also because you know the value of putting an actual piece of code in um, there's always value because somebody can copy it um, if, if people tell you oh we don't have to put an actual piece of code in because people will know how to do it well I'm sure they'll know how to do it but if you put the piece of code in there that that's like how you would actually call it Somebody can just go, oh, I'll just copy that out, dump it into my program, and change the parameters. A lot easier to do than having to sit down and figure out how to code it up in Java. Anything that you can do to make a developer's, uh, to, to speed up the development process is, is well worth doing. So I, I think that's part of it. And the other thing, too, is that I'm always a little bit suspicious of that because people will say, oh, well, you know, all of this is intuitive and nothing is intuitive. I mean, um, you should walk around uh, a software engineering firm with examples of things that are counterintuitive just to drop them on people when they say, every, you know, things are intuitive because they're not always intuitive. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh if I were to kind of look around to see what the different engineers are, are doing at any given point, I think a lot of times they're trying to figure out, figure something out. Right. <laughs> um, now I have a follow-up question about, uh, about these, just the style. Uh, it, the technical writer's mindset is to kind of put everything into tasks and to put these tasks into uh, numbered steps. Step uh -huh. one, do this. Step two, do that. And yet in a lot of programming tutorials and contexts uh, books they don't really break things down into step one two three maybe they're maybe they're sections you know but they don't have uh, as many discrete little steps uh, what do you think when you're trying to teach somebody to do a process do you do step one two three or how do you format all that um it's hard because sometimes um you're you have to go back and forth according to, to what you're doing. That's when it helps to have actually written programs before and know how people do them. But I think that what you do is um, you sort of go – what I've done in the past is kind of go from the inside outwards. In other words, I start with the things that are most important, the things that you want to set up first. I kind of do things from the beginning to the end. I mean, it, 
for in Android, for instance, there's a lot of sense in making sure that you've got your UI done. So you do your UI first so that you can test to see that it displays. And then you, in order to be able to do that, you put the UI together and then you have to put the manifest file together to make sure that works. So I like to be able to give people something that is somewhat of a running app right off the bat so that they can feel like they, they, under, they can either tell that things are working or they can tell really that they aren't working. And then you start filling in, okay, um, how can you do things differently? What's a, how do you expand on this? How do you, you know, handle errors? Um, there's some tricky ones. I mean, if you've got uh, an asynchronous process that you're trying to, to tell people how to do where they send off a call and then they have to Im implement a, comp un uh, a whole nother um, method in order to, to get the response from the system to that call. That can be tricky because, you know, things hop all over the place. And it, it's just, you just learn how to do it. I think um, software engineers can, can show tech writers basically how it happens in the code. And then the technical writer has to work closely with the software engineer to come up with a solution that makes it obvious. One statement I've heard and seen that I know is controversial that sometimes developers say is code is self-documenting. And by this, I think what they mean is that if people understand the principles of a programming language, they should be able to look at code and pretty much understand what it's doing, more or less. Um, granted, with, if it's... <laughs> do they claim that they can do, they should be able to do it without comments? Uh, some people say comments get in the way of your ability to read the code, that the code should be written clear enough so that it's apparent what it, what right. it's doing. Um, so if somebody, if a software engineer comes to you with that claim, the next time they do that, challenge them to write a fairly complex real-life app and get it working, and then set it aside for two months, and then come back and modify it, <laughs> and then ask them whether they still believe it. Um, there's there's somebody somewhere along the line in the past couple of months. I read this blog where where somebody had had collected a bunch of really wonderful comments from code, and and one of them was. Um, Six months ago, God and I both knew what this code did. Now, God only knows. <laughs> nice. So um, the, the fact is that in a lot of cases, people are right. You don't need to have very much comments. I mean, you don't have to have a comment for each line of code. But you do have to have more comments that tell you why you did things one way versus another. And it's more of saying you can't see the other pieces that go into this particular line. So why is this line the way it is? Why did I put this line here? Why did I put this assignment variable, this assignment here versus someplace else? Why am I iterating through this using this algorithm versus another algorithm? Um, 
when I, in JavaScript, when I say require, when I do a require statement at this point versus another point, why is that? And very often, it's even if you read the code, it's not tremendously obvious. It may have been obvious to the people, the person who wrote it, when he or she wrote it, but it may not even be obvious to them anymore. So I think that's where you put in comments. You put in comments to explain not what's happening, but why you're doing it. Hmm. I have uh, one more question in my my uh, curious brain here. Okay. Uh, it seems like when I was working in traditional documentation, concept diagrams and illustrations were a, a big hit. But since moving to the API doc space, mostly um, haven't really done a lot of visuals. Um, maybe a workflow diagram or something. But uh, what's your take on visuals in API documentation? Is it something that uh, is desired by programmers or are visuals um, not nearly as helpful as code samples or code samples are the visuals, you know? It, what? I, yeah. There's there's two ways that I think of visual communication. One is is illustrations and um, even like um, screenshots, and they can show you, um, the, you know, a picture can be worth a thousand words. If you can show a screenshot that shows the difference between doing something the right way or the wrong way, that's important. Um, I remember being quite hard nosed about um, putting screenshots into some documentation I wrote about notifications in Android because I wanted developers to be able to know that if they if they set a particular attribute in an object it would have this effect on the UI that's important because you know if if you just say this changes oh this sets the large text in the notification well tell me what the large text is where where does that show up Whereas if I show you a screenshot and say, if you change this attribute, large text, it changes this thing here in this picture, then you can go, okay, I want my notification to look a certain way, and therefore I know which attribute to change. So I think in that case, um, having visual communication is important. And I think the other thing is that mixed media-like videos is, um, if, if you've got the time for it, is also really good. Because you can mix a lot of different stuff. You can do screenshots, you can do slides, you can do code, um, you can show people code, you can talk about things, you can put a human face on the developers that are working on, on the product that you want to use. So, Well, Joe, uh, is there any topic that you want to talk about that we haven't covered? Or <laughs> <laughs> There's always tons of topics. Um, no, I think th I think we've gotten through a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I could talk a long, long time about API documentation and about software engineering in general. I've spent my entire, pretty much my entire adult life doing programming um, or something like it. Um, but I think we've covered a lot of stuff. I think I'm really fascinated by the whole field. It's tremendously exciting. There's whole bunches of new things happening every day. Um, I think for technical writers that want to have a sense of excitement about um, the job that they're doing and feel like um, there's all sorts of new things going on, it's definitely worth getting into. So, Yeah, that's 
I think that's so right on the money. I mean, the, to be involved right next to the developers and all oh, the yes. new technology, it is it is exciting. Um, you know what? My one thing I wish is that developers would create more communication tools. Uh, it seems like you know a lot of the tech com world is is still stuck with uh, kind of old help authoring tools yeah. that haven't changed a lot and decades but that's another conversation <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, yeah, it's definitely another conversation but you know i mean software engineers want to write stuff that helps them you can't blame them <laughs> you know they're they're stuck with a bunch of clunky uh development tools um they've done a lot better i mean we've we've come miles in just a few years in terms of development tool development and build tools and all sorts of great things um the problem is is that tech writers at the moment rely on other people to write their tools for them and that's you know it's tough when you rely on somebody else to get your work done you're going to be waiting a while yeah now if you mentioned you have a uh webinar on code samples coming up in March. What other, how can people find out more about you? Do you have a website or a Twitter address or LinkedIn profile that you want to send them to? Um, I have a LinkedIn profile that um, they can look me up on. Um, and I'm active in the API documentation group in LinkedIn where you can see me mouthing off about just about everything you can think of related to API documentation. Um, I have a website and I don't do very much with it just because I've gone through, for a variety of reasons, I've been incredibly busy this year, and I haven't done as much to work on it, but I promise to get to that. The best thing is that if people want to talk to me individually, they should look me up on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, my address, my email address is jmallon at jmallon.com, which is pretty easy to remember, so... All right. Yeah, that that API documentation group on LinkedIn is is really excellent. Um, yeah, it's it's great. There's a lot of really great stuff going on there all the time, and I recommend um, people reach out to the STC STC Silicon Valley group, which has a lot of interesting stuff, and get into the API documentation and and everything else. You can find out a lot. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for talking with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really am and honored, and I'm glad to have had the chance to talk.